We will conclude this series for this month. The series is entitled Life's Experiences. This is the fourth and the final message of this series. Our text this morning is found in the book of Acts, the ninth chapter. We will begin at the first verse, conclude at verse number six. The book of Acts chapter number nine and verses one through verse six. We are reading this morning from the New Living Translation. Hear the reading of God's holy word. Verse one. Meanwhile, Saul was uttering threats with every breath and was eager to kill the Lord's followers. So he went to the high priest. He requested letters addressed to the synagogues in Damascus, asking for their cooperation in the arrest of any followers of the way he found there. Any followers of the way, not Bible way, but the way he found there. He wanted to bring them, both men and women, back to Jerusalem in chains. Verse 3, as he was approaching, as Saul was approaching the city of Damascus on this mission, a light from heaven suddenly shone down around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. And the voice replied, I love this part of the verse, I am Jesus, the one you are persecuting. And verse 6, now get up, the voice said, and go into the city and you will be told what you must do. We ask God's blessings on both the reading and the hearing of his word. For the next few moments, we are going to speak from the subject, a Damascus Road Experience. A Damascus Road Experience. Over the last three weeks, we have talked about life's experiences. We began this series on the first Sunday talking about a valley experience, an experience in which our hearts are often broken, an experience in which we experience sometimes both hardships and heartaches. We talked about those dry bones that Ezekiel saw in the valley in which God asked Ezekiel the rhetorical question, son of man, can these bones live? Ezekiel replied, Lord, you know the answer. And then in the second message of this series, we talked about yet another experience, a wilderness experience. Now, if a valley experience is heartaches and hardships, we said to you in that second message, then a wilderness experience 
uh, involves the temptations, the trials, the testing of our faith. When we go through the wilderness and our faith is put to the test to turn our backs from what we believe, to turn our backs from what we know God has said for us to be and to do. That message was entitled A Wilderness Experience. And then on last week, the third message of this series, we shifted. We talked about a different kind of experience, not a valley, not a wilderness, but a mountaintop experience, an incredible encounter with God, time in which God inspires you, motivates you to, to leave the mountain, but go down to the valley because the work is done in the valley. Inspiration happens on the mountain, but the work is done in the valley. And now, in this fourth and final message, we would like to discuss yet a, another one of life's experiences. A special, listen to this, my brothers and sisters, a special transformational experience. A transformational experience. An experience that totally transforms our life. An experience that helps us become something totally different. Please listen to this. Something totally different to what we had been and perhaps who we are right now. A different you. <laughs> Not just a different kind of you. No, a different you. Something that is totally different than what you had been and who you are now. In science, this kind of transformational experience is called a metamorphosis which is simply defined as a complete and profound change of form, structure, and substance. Metamorphosis is not incrementally getting better over a period of time. A metamorphosis is a complete transformation, a complete change. In fact, it is something totally different than what we had been. Our greatest example of this kind of metamorphic change is found in nature with the transformation of a caterpillar into a butterfly. Excuse me to all of you that are skirmish of bugs. But it is, it is the transformation of a caterpillar a creepy, crawling, slimy creature into a butterfly, into something that is beautiful, something that spreads its wings, something that is colorful. Listen, the good news is that the same source of the transformation of a caterpillar into a butterfly 
the same source, the same creator, can also transform anyone who allows him to, to change their life into something that is beautiful. The same one who, who, who created, who brought out of the caterpillar a butterfly can bring something beautiful out of your life also. Contrary to what your haters, your critics, contrary to what the naysayers may say, or even contrary to what perhaps you may think of yourself, listen to this, God can make something beautiful out of your life. I want to say that again. Contrary to what the naysayers, the critics, the haters may say, think. Contrary to perhaps what the enemy has allowed you to think of yourself. I'm here to tell you that God can make something beautiful out of your life. You can be a colorful, free-flying as the butterfly spreads your wings that flies to wherever God has destined you to go. Listen, God is still in the transforming business. God is still in the changing business. I know we live in a time in which so many people have been dumped on. They have been oppressed. They have become depressed because of the emotional oppression, physical oppression that they've gone through. I have talked to people who've lost their desire to even think they could be better. People who've just given up, thrown the tower in, have listened to the critics so much that they have brought in to the scenario that they can't be any better. But I stopped by 2440 Atlas Road to look you in the eyes in this camera that goes virtual and says to you, the devil is a lie. You can be whatever God has destined you to be. There is something beautiful, something great that's going to come, that will come from your experience. The enemy may have intended it to destroy you, but God will use it to bless you. Listen, let us for the next few moments turn to our text. And in this text, we have what is perhaps one of the greatest examples in the Bible of the power of transformation. The transformation of a young man known in the New Testament originally as Saul. And how Saul, uh, a persecutor, saw someone who hated the church, became Paul, the greatest church planter of the first century and perhaps the greatest the world has ever known. How did Saul, who despised the name of Jesus, wrote more epistles that are now in Holy Scripture that mentions Jesus' name 
than anyone else. It was the power of transformation. Listen, we are first introduced to this young man by the name of Saul in the seventh chapter of the book of Acts. It occurs during what was a horrific time and a moment in the life of the New Testament church. Stephen, who had become a deacon of the first century New Testament church, was being stoned to death. Stephen became the first Christian martyr. The seventh chapter of Acts and the 58th verse tells us that there witnessing Stephen's death was a young man by the name of Saul. The Bible tells us that he perhaps even not only was there, but proceeded to oversee the stoning of Stephen's death. He held their coats. It is believed, in fact, he says it in his testimony in Acts chapter 26, that he cast his vote to stone Stephen. Saul was feared among first century Christians. The Christian community of that day saw him as a fierce and feared persecutor of their faith. They did not want anything to do with Saul. When they heard he was coming, they often went in hiding. They often uh, tried to find a way to take their families away because of Saul's mission, Saul's assignment was to make their lives miserable. Saul was a dedicated, Saul uh, was a guy with tenacity, perhaps unlike anyone else. He was ambitious, he had tenacity, he was dedicated to the cause. It just was not the right cause. There are a lot of people among us they have talent, gifts, and dedication, but not to the right cause. The good news is that God could have stopped Saul in chapter 7. The good news is that if God wanted, he could have rained down judgment on this young man in Acts chapter 7. But unlike us, God knows the beginning and the end. God not only sees who we are, God knows what we not only can become, but what we will become. What happened to Saul? Something tremendous happened on a road to a city called Damascus, known in theology as the road to Damascus. It happened as Saul was on his way to persecute a group of new believers in Damascus. The Bible tells us that Saul had received his assignment. He was sent, now this is important, by the religious leaders to go and, and to snuff out, stamp out, eradicate this new faith that's called Christianity. These followers who were following this, this man from Galilee by the name of Jesus, who they claim had been raised from the dead. Uh, the Jews thought they had dealt with Jesus on the cross, 
But what they did not know was that persecution doesn't make the life of a believer less effective. It makes you even more powerful. Paul, a young man, a young man who sat at the feet of Camellia, a young man who in his own writings claimed to have been a Pharisee, was sent by the leaders to Damascus with one assignment. Go and find those believers. When you find them, do whatever you need to do uh, to snuff out this new faith that was at the time, at least they thought it was a threat to their religion. And so now we find Saul on his way to Damascus. He is on uh, the right road. He's going to the right place. But what he does not know was that his assignment was about to change. God was about to do something transformational in his life. The caterpillar was about to become a butterfly. And the Bible says as they were going, uh, a bright light in the middle of the day. In fact, the text says it was at midday. A light shone from heaven and uh, blinded him. But here's the key. And knocked him off his high horse. Sometimes in order for God to get our attention, God has to do something dramatic like knock us off our high horse. Paul felt on his back in which now the only way he could look is look up. He thought he was riding high. He was a great young man, but God knocked him off the high horse. And God had an encounter with this man by the name of Saul on this road to Damascus. God began to challenge him. And the text tells us that the Lord, a voice from heaven spoke and said to him, Saul, Saul called his name twice in, in, in an audible voice. Why are you persecuting me? Why are you doing this to me? And Saul asked that question, that question that has reigned for centuries throughout Christian and throughout uh, biblical theology. Lord, who are you? Who are you? Obviously, I don't know you because I am, I am thinking that I'm doing your will. Who are you? Lord, I remember preaching the question, the first question that was asked in the book of Genesis in which God asked Adams, where are you? And then Saul asked this question, Lord, who are you? I thought I knew you. I thought I was serving you, but obviously I do not. And the Lord answered and the voice answered, and replied in chapter 9, verse number 5, the Lord answered and said, I am Jesus. I am the one that you are persecuting. Uh, the one you despise, that's me. The one whose names you declare is blasphemy, that is me. I am the Jesus of Calvary. I am the Jesus 
or who turned the water into wine. I am the Jesus that healed the blind man called Bartimaeus. Paul, I, I am Jesus. I, I, I'm the one that they were not impressed with me because my pedigree did not come uh, from higher up. I, I, I didn't sit at the feet of Gamaliel. I wasn't the son of a Pharisee. I didn't have the earthly credentials uh, that many in your circle thought were necessary to become a religious leader because that's not my assignment. My assignment was to be radically different than anything they have seen before. My assignment was to touch lepers. My assignment was to embrace Mary Magdalene, out of whom seven demons existed. I am that Jesus. Paul fell to the ground. The Bible says he was blind. And he remained blind. Here's something uh, that is perhaps uh, has some symbolic reference to Jesus' experience in the grave. Paul stayed blind for three days. Jesus stayed in the grave for three days. In order for Paul to see, he had to lose his sight. In order for Paul to know the real Jesus, he had to get knocked down from his high horse. Can I preach to somebody this morning and you are wondering, Lord, why am I going through what I'm going through? And the Lord says, sometimes I've got to take you down a notch or two just to build you up. Sometimes you've got to lose everything, fall flat on your back in order for you to look up and say, I need the Lord in my life. Perhaps you're in between jobs for a reason. Perhaps you are struggling for a reason. The Lord says, I got to get your attention. Now here's something that's very important. Take note of what the Lord said about Saul in verse number 11. There was a believer in the city of Damascus called Ananias. The Bible simply refers to him as a believer of the church. God uh, consulted with Ananias. God visited Ananias. The Lord did. The Lord Jesus did. And he said to Ananias, I need you to do something. I need you to go find a man named Saul. Ananias said, Lord, but is that the same one that persecuted the church? But look at what verse 11 says. Go over to Straight Street, <laughs> uh, to the house of Judas. That's where he is. Isn't it ironic uh, that the first place he went after his conversion was Straight Street? <laughs> A lot of us got to understand that when God cleans you up and picks you up and makes something different out of your life, God says you got to go straight. You got to go to straight street. And so he said to Ananias, go there. When you get there, ask for this man from Tarsar by the name of Saul. And look at how that verse ends. It simply says, he is praying to me right now. <laughs> In other words, he's praying to the one he used to curse. He's praying to the one 
he persecuted others for using my name. He's praying to me right now. In other words, here's what the Lord was saying to Ananias. He is not who he used to be. Good God Almighty. I wish I can put those words on the screen. Put them up there for us in quotation because I want you to hear this. He is not what he used to be. I want to say something to someone right now. You are not what you used to be. And I know that there are folk who still think that you are. He is not who he used to be. There are folk who still think you're the same old drug dealer. Still think you're the same one who walked the street and partied with them all night. Still think you're the same one who never worshiped God. You may look the same, but the change happens internally. Uh, God said to Ananias, he has changed. He is praying to me. In other words, again, he is not who he used to be. I want to speak to somebody right now and ask you the question, do you want to be different? Do, do, do you want uh, to be someone that's different than what you used to be? God sent Ananias to Damascus on Straight Street and said, meet Paul right there. Why? Because he is not what he used to be. Let me stay right there for a moment. God says, I just can't leave that for a moment. You don't have to be what you used to be. Somebody give God your best praise right now for being someone different than what you used to be. If you want to be something and someone different, you need a transformational experience on the road to Damascus. Listen to what Paul later writes in Romans chapter 6 and verse 4. Paul writes these words. The New Living Translation says, And just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we also may live new lives. Woo. Look at this, my brothers and sisters. And just that, that second clause in that fourth verse, and just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we also may live new lives. Listen. I thought about Paul's experiences. And here's what God says. God said there are three key lessons from Paul's experience on this road to Damascus that we all should take note of. Three key lessons that I want to share with you briefly that we all should take note of. Lesson number one is this. Anyone, no matter what they may have done, can be transformed into the kind of person that we were intended to be. Please listen to this. It doesn't matter what you used to be. Ooh. 
It doesn't matter what others said about you. Anyone, no matter what they have done, can be transformed into the kind of person that they were intended to be. If you are outside the will of God in your life, that's not who you were intended to be. There are some people who can enjoy what you cannot enjoy. There are some people that perhaps were in your circle and they have no guilt or no shame, but you do because there was a burning in you knowing that's not who I am. That may be who you are hanging around, but that's not who you are. I remember my dad testifying about as a very young man, he left home, went to the racetrack at 17 years old. Last time he saw his mom, she was critically ill. She left her dying bed to come to the train station and beg him not to go. But he left. And he remembered somewhere across this country, I think he said it was in Rhode Island, uh, he found himself drowning in a pond. <laughs> and he remembered a young man he did not even know reached his hand and pulled him out of it. And dad says, as a young man pulled him out of it, he said to him, what are you doing here? And dad said that the Lord spoke to him and says, this is not who you are. And this is not where you ought to be. He says he, he later got back on that train and went home and came to Columbia only to find out that his mother had died. His heart was broken. He said, Lord, why would you do this? But that experience said to him that God was not through with you yet. Anyone, no matter what you have done, you can be transformed. You can be who God intended for you to be. My dad went on to be a phenomenal man of God, to start this ministry, to be the bishop over many churches, not just in South Carolina, but throughout the country. Because that Rhode Island experience said to him, you're in a place that you don't belong, trying to be someone you are not intended to be. My question to you today is that are you willing to be who God called you to be? The second key lesson that we learn from Saul's experience in his transformation to become Paul was this. Real transformation, please listen to this, comes from the Lord. It doesn't come from you going to church. It doesn't come from you going to another conference. It doesn't come from you sitting under the right pastor. Real transformation comes from the Lord only. It is he and he alone that can really change our lives. If you are going to be changed, if you're going to have that Damascus Road experience, then your change has to come from the Lord. 
Listen to these words that David writes in Psalms 51 and verse number 10, the NIV translation. David writes, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. David knew that if I'm going to change, if I've got to be better than an adulterer, I have to be better than a murderer, then God has to change me. God has to change my heart. God has to create in me a brand new heart. And then the third and the final lesson from Saul's experience on that Damascus road that led him to become Paul was this. The Holy Spirit, please listen to this. The Holy Spirit can sustain what the Lord has changed. There are people who say to me all the time, Pastor, I, I don't want to change because I don't want to fake it. I know that I can't keep it up. I know that I can't maintain it. I know that I can't sustain this change if it happens in my life. I'm here to tell you that you don't have to sustain it. The Holy Spirit will sustain what the Lord has changed. The prophet Zechariah writes these most profound words in chapter 4 and verse 6 of the book of Zechariah, the NIV translation, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. Listen, because of Saul's transformation, it wasn't easy. In fact, I'm here to tell you the road to Damascus will lead you to the road to the valley. It will lead you to a wilderness experience. If you think because I've been changed, it's going to be easy. That was not Paul's experience. I would tell you today that in order for you to appreciate chapter 9 of the book of Acts, you must read chapter 26. It is towards the end of Paul's life. He's been on three missionary journeys. He's written all of these epistles. He is in the process of writing even more. And he finds himself in prison. He finds himself in chains. Paul finds himself standing before King Agrippa on his way to meet Caesar. And Paul had an encounter uh, with Festus, with Agrippa, and he shares his testimony. <laughs> Acts chapter 26 is so powerful. Paul shares, he's now Paul, and he shares his testimony of what happened on that road to Damascus. And then in verse 19, the new King James Version. In verse 19, the new King James Version, it says this, Therefore, King Agrippa, Paul says to King Agrippa in the new King James Version, I want you to hear this. He says, I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision. He says, in other words, I caught the vision, but declared first to those in Damascus when I was knocked off my high horse, 
I went to Damascus and I preached where I was to persecute. And I went to Jerusalem and I went throughout the region of Judea. And then God sent me to the Gentiles that they should repent and turn to God and do the works befitting of repentance. But then look at verse 21. Paul says, for these reasons, the Jews seized me in the temple and tried to kill me. Same folk that sent me to Damascus to persecute the Christians are now trying to kill me. I want you to know that just because you've had a Damascus Road experience doesn't mean it's going to be easy. Paul said that these same folk for the same reasons are now trying to kill me. But verse 22, this is why I've chosen the New King James Version. Listen to this version. Listen to the New King James Version. Paul says this, Therefore, having obtained help from God, this day I'm still standing. I should have lost it all. But God was by my side. Having therefore obtained help from God, I am still here. It's been hard. But I did not give up. I went through some rough things, but I held on. I've decided that I won't go back. I've decided that I've been changed. I've been healed. I've been delivered. And I thank God for what God is doing in my life. Let me say to you as we prepare to end this message with this altered experience some of you find yourselves right now having gone through what you went through having had your Damascus Road experience the question is will you go back question is will you hold on a Damascus Road experience please hear this a brother texted me this in between services this morning. He says, Pastor Jackson, this is what I've discovered. It was so powerful. It was right after the 8 o'clock service. He blessed me with this. He says, what I've discovered is this. That not only does a Damascus Road experience not exempt you from the valley or the wilderness. It takes you there. Because you've been changed. Because you've been transformed, the valley and the wilderness will come. But here's the difference. Having therefore obtained help from God, you're still standing. You've been changed and you will not go back. And there's nothing the enemy can do. Chosen generation, Brother Gerard Smith, and these young people are coming with this song by William McDowell that says, I've been changed. I've been healed. I've been freed. 
I've been delivered. <laughs> I found joy. I found peace. I found grace. I found favor. And right now is the moment. Today is the day that God can change your life. God will knock you off the high horse for a reason. Maybe you went through your trials and tribulation for a reason in order to transform you from Saul to Paul. God had to do some things in your life. Join us right now. Come on, join the team and tell them, listen. I've been changed. I've been changed. Somebody right now. Here. Anybody been freed here? Free. right now, wherever you are, stop what you're doing and just lift those hands and, and begin. I found grace and I found favor. Yes, sir. 
number on the screen some of you are wondering God what are you doing to me God says in order to transform you from Saul to Paul I've got to knock you down off your high horse I've got to take you through some difficult times because there's a purpose for your life what, what Saul realized was that that same fervor, that same passion, that same energy, God used it for the kingdom's sake and not against the kingdom. Some of you are going through something right now and God says, I, I'm going to use your same intellect, your, your same wit, your same passion for others for the kingdom and not against the kingdom three things anyone no matter what they may have done can be transformed real transformation number two comes from the Lord and number three the Holy Spirit can sustain what the Lord has changed say that again in abbreviated form anyone no matter who you are can be changed Ooh, real transformation does not come from another seminar it doesn't come from you getting more education it doesn't become it doesn't come from you becoming more enlightened real transformation comes from the Lord and third and finally the Holy Spirit, that's why you need the Holy Spirit, can sustain what the Lord has changed. Uh, Paul says this, having obtained help from God, I've continued to this day. In the midst of everything you're going through right now, God says, I can change you. I can keep you. You were not intended to be what you have become uh, I gotta say that again uh, that, 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 that's resonating with me right now Pastor Willie May God said to me to say to somebody right now you were not intended to be what you have become Ooh, who am I talking to were not intended to be what you've allowed yourself to become. <laughs> You're greater than that. 
you you have a special anointing on you uh, and, and favor isn't fair that the, the favor of God has been on your life when 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 other people got joy from doing what you were doing and you were miserable about it it was because that was not for you to be that's not who you were intended to be God is confirming what God has already known about you that there's something special in your life may I speak to a young person right now please stop what you're doing look at me right now you were not intended to be what you have allowed yourself to become and God says I'm willing to change you I'm willing to do something in your life that only God can do one more time before we pray come on brother Gerard Timian can't go back I can't to the way, the way you used to be before your presence come came on put the number on the screen leave it there call us Seven seven six one two three eight. Put the number on the screen. Lord <laughs> mm. here we are Lord <laughs> turn our soul into Paul make us Mary Magdalene out of whom demons once flowed but carried the first resurrection New Testament message on that great resurrection Sunday morning there's some powerful gifts that you're bringing out of some bad situations and we say thank you I thank you for my road to Damascus thank you Lord for many thought they would end up one place but you changed their lives you, you sent them to the same place but with a different assignment and we say thank you thank you for what you're doing thank you for transformation some young person remind them they were not created to be an alcoholic some young person remind them they were not created to be a drug addict or to be a drug dealer remind them of who they were created to be 
and change them, Lord. Even if they have to walk alone, even if they have to abandon every earthly friend they thought they had to walk with you, we say thank you. Thank you, Lord. For Paul became perhaps the greatest first century Christian. But it did not start off like that. Thank you for not giving up when he was still sore. <laughs> because you saw Paul in the midst of him still being sore. And we say thank you. Now bless those right now who are seeking this transformational experience. Somebody on this road to Damascus, somebody with a Damascus road experience can be what you have created them to be. But this is our prayer. In your name we pray and give thanks. And wherever you are, say amen. Come on and worship with us right now. Listen, thank you for joining us this morning. We invite you to join us on this Tuesday night. We're having another one of our Take Me Back services. We are broadcasting a powerful service with evangelist Carolyn Showell, was here at Bible Way in 2013. Bless us in a very special way. Amen. We invite you to join us on this Tuesday night. Let me thank you for your support of this ministry. Thank you for your contributions. Let me encourage you to still give. Amen. Don't allow the changing of your circumstances to change your faithfulness. If you were a faithful tither before the pandemic, you need to continue to be one. If you were not one before, you can be one now. If there's any time, we ought to thank God. We ought to thank God. Now listen. I said to the congregation this morning, this is the 19th straight week that we've been virtual only. The virtual doors of the church never shut. Amen. We're still every week giving food and water and providing assistance. We're still preaching the gospel every Sunday, twice on Sunday, once on Tuesday. Why? Because God says just because the outside circumstances change doesn't mean that the kingdom has. In fact, I'm convinced that God has made it even better that more folk are getting the gospel and we say thank you. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for supporting us. If you haven't given today, we'll leave that on the screen. Take a moment. It doesn't have to be much. Whatever you have, just sow into the gospel so that somebody somewhere can be touched and delivered. One more time, chosen generation, as we prepare to go up. All the worshipers.
We'd like to thank everyone for tuning in. If you desire prayer, please call 1-888-776-1238. There are many safe, secure, and easy ways to give to Bible Way Church of Atlas Road. Online giving is available to members and guests through my connections at bwcar.org. You can choose to give through your bank, checking, debit, or savings account, or via our mobile giving app by texting BWCAR along with your giving amount to 73256. You can mail your check to P.O. Box 90309, Columbia, South Carolina, 29290. Please do not mail cash. Financial donations will be accepted at the church on Tuesdays from 12 p.m. to 6 p.m. If you feel as if this sermon was a blessing to you, please be sure to share it with your family and friends. For additional announcements and for more information, please be sure to visit our website at bwcar.org.